1: Welcome to Heart and Hand Extra, the second weekly flagship show from Heart and Hand Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, and joining me this week to discuss what's been going on at Ibrox and also preview this weekend's trip to Kilmarnock is former RST chairman Stephen Smith.
0: Good afternoon, David. How are you?
1: I am. I am grand, mate. I am, I'm very good, very busy these days with uh, with our subscription service. I'll just get the plug in for that just now. If you enjoy these shows, you can get more of it. Over 1,500 people have already signed up. It's just 1.99 per month or three ninety nine per month, and we haven't had any complaints so far. Uh, okay. m- m- usually two shows a day. Um, but if you're happy just to listen to Flagship, we appreciate that, and thank you for sticking with us. So uh, I'm busy, but uh, a lot happening in the world of Rangers, although... Mainly on the speculation front, but we'll start off with something concrete, Stephen. We're coming off a I think a universally agreed shocking performance at home to St Johnston last week. And yeah. we are back on the road with a a trip to Kilmarnock. A side, site who I would say are improved from the one we faced it um earlier this season. However, their form has fluctuated. They've gone up and down under Steve Clark. But I would think that this is not going to be a a stroll in the park for Rangers. However, it would be fair to suggest that this Rangers team is a significantly better side away from home for some reason than it is at Ibrox.
0: Oh, I, can't, I can't figure out why we're losing games at Ibrox the way we are, David. I mean, that performance against St Johnson was as bad as I've seen in the last two and a half years, mm-hmm. actually. I can't, I'm, you know, under whether it be under McCoys or Warburton or Kishina, it's it's it was as bad and as insipid, completely spineless you know, I was really disappointed. Yeah, particularly, bear in mind we got a really good start. Or Ellis is on the board early, and everybody's lifted. And then mm. before the, you know, before the fifteen minutes, in the clock we've let a second go. And then after that, we literally never looked like winning that game. No, created very little in the second half. It was appalling. There, that was really. I, I couldn't. I couldn't figure out why. Something you Coming touched up,
1: on there, Stephen. Yeah, I think is is interesting, which is that it's not only are we winning games away from home. And not doing so at home It's the manner of the, the performances Now, you could say that we we, we Didn't play particularly well At uh, the at Easter Road And you'd be right, you know, most people Agreed it was a bit of a smash and grab But we fought, you know We, we showed character and we showed backbone And we were playing a good team Who were right up for it And the, the, the determination Of the players got them through that match You then contrast that With a match last week where okay we still didn't play particularly well but there was none of that fight none of that spirit none of that nope. togetherness none of that passion that we witnessed on Wednesday and for me that's the most staggering thing at the moment is not so much just the results because although they are free case you can analyse and look at the reasons for them but it's like two different teams when when Rangers play at home and when Rangers play away and Some people have said, is it Ibrox, is it the pressure? And all of those things are valid, but all the intangibles I don't think can mount up and explain away why a team will, if you like, have that mental strength and desire on a Wednesday and then be absolutely anemic and have none of that at all to display on a Saturday. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's it's inexplicable that we can go to Eastern Road, Petaudry, pick up six points, beat Aberdeen at Ibrox. You know, so the last last run of fixtures, we've effectively taken nine points from, from our most difficult, other than our friends across the city, our most difficult fixtures. And then we have squandered them in results against St. Johnston and Hamilton, eminently winnable games at home. It's, 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 we've literally frittered all that good work away on... Inexplicably bad results when the, when we get players who are playing in front of forty seven, forty eight, forty nine thousand fans. If they can't get motivated at iBooks and show that same effort and application, David, they really ought to question why they're playing professional football. Mm. It's 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 the old maxim that says you need to at least match your opponents in terms of their effort and their application and their drive and their physical competitiveness, and then your superior skill ought to win you the game and that's what Rangers teams have traditionally done in the past and that's what this team and actually we haven't seen at Ibrox for a good number of years now Mm. are failing to do and what we absolutely need to do so I hope the next manager uh, whoever he is picks that up because that's clearly a deficiency in this current squad
1: who knows Stephen he may not have been born yet so, no, I might be more. No, we,
0: and can, know, we can, grandchildren might not. Yet yeah, be born we we can start programming
1: Canadian that into them in a sort of universal soldier way from childhood. We'll start in in calculating them with the with the staunch. but yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it has been. And, and last week I thought it was just so unforgivable, simply because if you look at the. Reasons. I would say reasons rather than excuses because we do as supporters I think look to analyse and look to say okay why is this happening and one of the reasons and I think it was logical and I think it was arguable is that well at home they're a little intimidated and if something goes wrong for them the atmosphere is is such that it can become very negative very quickly and the players shrink under that. Right, fair enough, get that, totally agree Definitely the case versus Hamilton When Rangers were up yeah. against it That they didn't have the ability to, to come back from that And you could see them visibly shrinking on the park Okay, cool We took the lead against St Johnson The crowd was yeah. in a good mood It's you know mid-December, everybody was up for it We were coming off the back of a series of really, really good wins And yeah. you're not going to get a better set of circumstances than that well, well. You're just no. not And... That therefore, that reason, or if you want to call it that excuse, that's that's OK, I, maybe I would say reason, you would say excuse, that's OK, it's just it's just semantics. But if that was a valid it went out the window on Saturday, and that one, there was no hiding place. That one was entirely down to the team that took the field.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think it's the fact that it's inexplicable David I mean you're looking for a bit of form and we've won four games in the bounce, including some very very tricky fixtures there and so you're looking for the players in that environment because you're taught that if you if string a few runs together then that builds its own level of confidence and self-belief and you start to kind of believe in yourself and you don't play the game in your head as much you just do it you just you play the natural pass rather than thinking what will happen if I, I won't try the tricky pass or try and take this guy on because if I lose it I'm going to get shouted at and uh, and as you say we took the lead so there are no explanation there's no explanation I mean uh, what, what, what Alston's goal was a decent goal don't get me wrong you know a good, a good goal from St Johnson but after that we're still level you know, and we're still putting a score on the board, so we should still be winning that winning that game. And then in that second half, in particular, I can't think other than Cranchard's free kick at the tail end of it creating a serious chance.
1: When when we that's his header, we, there was we, a I header.
0: If we were hitting the bar, in the post, and the keeper had a, had a you no, know the the, game of his life. Keeper had we an were easy just match. Poor.
1: Yeah, we were. Uh, keeper keeper did have an easy match, and mm. yeah. So like I um, say, we move on, and we I didn't hope. have a midweek fixture. So we're off to Kilmarnock this weekend. As I said at the start, Kilmarnock, of course, did manage to get a new manager. Well done to them, because it's not as easy as, as maybe you or I had first thought to do that. And uh, Steve Clark, who, of course, yep. has a, a wealth of experience and has achieved the, I'm sure, what the Kilmarnock board asked them, which is make them. More durable Make them tougher to beat He's picked up some excellent results along the way Picked up a few bad defeats um, Which you know I think we we would all admit Is probably due to the level of player that he had But there's no doubt he's made a difference In his short time at Kilmarnock And they, they, you know, they'll be resolute They'll be up for it And they'll be fancying their chances on Saturday It's a sell out Rugby Park Huge away support I'm going myself And it should yep. be um, an interesting game And if Rangers... The problem is to sit here and try and analyse and try and uh, look at what might happen. Is that we just don't know what Rangers team are going to turn up.
0: No, I mean Rugby Park's been traditionally for us, David, a, a reasonable venue in the sense that, as you say, we get both ends of the ground, and there's not normally outnumber the home. So you know, so it kind of feels like a home stroke away fixture. It's, it's it's quite odd, but it's a it's a venue we've played well at before. I agree with you, Klart's improved them, um, and we'll have them, we know one thing is that, you know, he will have them motivated, uh, for this game, absolutely no question about that, I just hope, uh, I hope we play well, I hope we get a result, for obvious reasons, and I hope, you know, and uh, the petty and bitter side of me, comes out, that we give Broadfoot, if he plays, absolute dog's abuse, for what he did at Ivers, the last time he game because he's a disgrace,
1: Mm, yes, and, and as you mentioned there, the last time we played was the crazy and now infamous one-one draw that saw Pedro yeah. get his jotters the next yeah. day. Seems seems like a while ago now. Does... <laughs> um, so a long time ago, yeah. and you
0: and I were sat in that stand, look, looking at each other, thinking, "What the hell? What the hell is going uh, on?" Well
1: the, well, the thing is, Stephen, that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, since it's been so long that for instance since Rangers fired their manager if you remember mm-hmm. right at the start Alan Pardew was linked and I, I have here, I've, I've written it down since he left, Alan Pardew mm-hmm. was linked and he's gone on to manage in this period West Ham Southampton yeah. Crystal Palace, Newcastle uh-huh. and he's now at West Brom that's how long it's been <laughs> like, maybe, maybe not literally, but it fucking feels like it. <laughs>
0: um, uh, and all those all those other can, candidates we were considering at the time, David Moyes, Sam Allardyce, you know, they've all uh, gotten uh, secure employment at, at uh, clubs whose budget is considerably larger oh, yeah, than Rangers. And I yeah. just remember the, the people saying, "Oh, I don't I don't know if I if I want Allardyce and the style of football he plays." Like it was ever realistic? We'd get the former England manager when it was a host of the English Premier League clubs circling around them it's yeah. just people need to live in the real world it's not 1998 anymore David we're in you know we're in a very very different market and we need to be thinking very carefully about who our next manager stroke coach is
1: well we'll come to that in a minute let's uh, let's oh. focus on the game first of all so we, we're going up now oh. We don't really seem to have an awful lot of options to change. I thought the formation was wrong last week. I don't like the four three three. I don't think Rangers are very good at it. Uh, I think historically we're not very good at it for some reason. But I think currently we certainly are. It it shunted Josh Windass out left where I'd, I, he's not effective, and we've got a whole body of evidence that says Josh Windass isn't particularly effective in the left. Whereas he'd yep. been playing. I think really well and and looking a real danger and a confident player in that sort of just off the striker role so Mm -hmm. I'd I'd like to see us try and fashion something along that I don't think the three uh, defensive midfielders worked and I I just think that the the whole game plan was wrong now Ryan Jack finishes his suspension against Uh Komaluk so that's going to necessitate a change and I, I don't really know what Graham Murray has to play with here. I have sympathy here, Stephen, because I'm saying we need to change from last week, but it's not like he can go, yeah, you're right, I'm going to look to player X, Y, and Z. There are a lot of players on that side that you could do with refreshing and maybe not an awful lot of options to come in and play.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's deal with the midfield one first, David. I mean, if I can't see that Ryan Jack, Ross McCrory, and Jason Hope playing in the same midfield. Is remotely tenable, you know. It's it's not only very defensive, but you know you're not going to get any creativity there, or very limited creativity if that's your midfield three. Uh, I think we have to we have to think very carefully about about how we do that. But as you say, we're kind of restricted with options. Personally, I'd like to see Ryan Hardy get a run, but I hear what you say. If you don't play Windass up, up, along with Morelos or in that number ten role, then you know you reduce his effectiveness by about fifty percent. I'm not really sure you know Cadeus, as you know I'm a fan of his but I think the last two games particularly has been very very poor clearly needs to be dropped uh, we're kind of we're kind of struggling for options and one of the disappointing things from uh, from the game uh, the, the, the previous game there is that Nico Cranshaw when he came on did very very little indeed to affect that game you know even in a, a limited spell where his fitness ought to have been an issue so he's not he didn't do enough to either change the game or to Make put himself in contention for a place at Rugby Park, so you know I'm kind of scunnered a wee bit about what we do because you know I, I think it's great having Jack back. I think he's I think he's been excellent, arguably our player of the year so far. But we need some we need a number of contributions uh, from other people. Maybe think about playing three three at the back and try to push uh, ta- uh, Tavern uh, Taverner. Sorry, well done. If you play. that correctly? Taverner and uh, and Jack up. You know, it's kind of wingers, and, and don't bother with Candice, and maybe find a way to put, to put uh, Jack McCrory and Holt in that midfield with uh, Morales uh, and Hardy up front or Herrera even, but uh, that's we're limited for options, and that tells you exactly everything you need to know about what, where the club is at the moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I really believe that. I think that the the three is something to look at for the reasons that that you mentioned there, and. Last week was a case in point that uh, Declan John and James Tavernier are, they have qualities and it would be really, really unfair and wrong to say that they don't, right? I mean, they, they're frustrating at times, I agree. But defensively, they are, I, I would say, very poor in the case of Declan John. I just don't think it's his natural game. I think James Tavernier has improved defensively this season, but is still erratic and is still capable of matches where he just is, is horrible defensively. And, and last week was, was a case in point. Yep. So, for me, if you have a situation where you have a group of centre-halves, and we do, it's one of the positions in the part that we're well-covered for, we can talk about the quality later, but we have guys who are all regularly playing and have game time this season, you can play the three and you can shove those two forward in a position which is going to give them additional cover defensively and utilise their strength, i.e. going forward. And it does necessitate a change, but I think sometimes you've got to cut your cloth accordingly. It might not be the ideal situation if you sit down and you have that ranger squad and everybody's fit and you can select from everybody, but yeah. we don't. And I think that given the pool of players that we have at the moment, as you say, it's something that we need to consider because mm-hmm. otherwise... We're just going to get the same results. like I've got some pacey wingers. The young lad Jordan Jones, who is reputedly a target for Rangers, uh, he's yeah. very quick. He is still learning his trade, you know. And people are right when they, they mention his his delivery and his um, final ball at times can be sure. can be lacking. And yes, that, that that's absolutely correct. At the moment, he is very much in that place. But I think that it would be something I would be looking at because obviously Graham Morty adapted the system last week, and he's done it a few times. So he, he is somebody who thinks that way, and I will give him that tactically. I think he is pretty switched on. People have mentioned about Graham Murray's inability to change the game from the bench, and they are correct, except one major card I'd like to play in his defence, which is, you look at that bench, what the hell is he supposed to do? Um, so I, I would be looking at that, I really would.
0: I. I don't. I think uh, we we know what Graham Motty is, and and you know up until recently he wasn't considered to be a kind of top line manager. And he is doing. I would agree with you, David, in the circumstances here, and he's in which is extremely difficult under you know under all sorts of pressure and scrutiny. You know he's done. I think he's done as well, if not better, than we could have expected him to do. Um, you know the fact that Rangers are are still. You know we're still competitive. You know third in the league. You know our goal difference is plus 14. We're, you know there are lots of positives uh, for what we're doing, and I would have far more faith. I have far more faith if he's in charge uh, when we go to Mordor on the 30th of December. Than I would, uh, you know, if Kashinia had been there, because I would, I would just have been how many are we going lose by? Whereas with Marty, I have at least a, a bit of faith that we're not going to squander that game playing a Daff formation or playing uh, you're playing players who are clearly not capable of the role that they have been assigned to. So, you know, I think I think fair play to him and he deserves. However, this ends, he deserves the thanks and the respect and the majority of the of support for stepping in uh, and doing it. I think a, a more than admirable job. Uh, In the circumstances with the hand of cards that he's given, you can only play the hand of cards you've got, David. You Mm. know, and if you don't deal him a very good hand, then what can he do?
1: The only thing I would criticise him for last week is Pena not being in the eighteen because I think that no. when you are so devoid of options you have to take one even the ones who you can't rely on. And you can't rely on Pena. You know, there are days he's anonymous, there are days he's anonymous and scores a goal and there are days that he's he's putting together a lot of a lot of good touches. But he's never going to be somebody that stands out for a whole ninety minutes because it's just not his game. However, last week when you looked at that bench, I would yeah. far rather I had him to come on than not have him. And that's the only thing I would criticise him for. But having gone with that bench, you know what was he expected to do? He bought Cranchar on. I think yeah. Cranchar looks completely shot at the moment. Um, right. I think need, for Cranchard to, to be effective for us in any way, I think he's got to achieve a level of fitness that for various reasons, and I'm, I'm not knocking him, I actually know for a fact that, that Cranchar uh, hired his own personal trainer to try and get fitter, both when yes. he first arrived at Rangers and after his injury so I don't I'm not in any way criticising Nico Cranchard I just don't know if he can physically do it I just I I don't think it's attitude I think I just don't know if maybe there are too many miles on the clock for him and last week when he came on I I thought he didn't look like a footballer the other change he made was he brought on Herrera who for whatever reason just cannot make an impression at the moment and yeah I, I
0: You'd he brought, he brought Cranchard on On about the hour mark 61-62 minutes or something and, and so he had a good half hour uh, to, to change that game around uh, And we were only a goal behind at that point So if you're, if you're the sort of player That Nickel Cranshard used to be You would eminently have been able to affect that game And change it in that half hour And there was no sign of that at all uh, I had a look at that bench as well The others on the bench were Lee Hodson, uh Ryan Hardy uh, but Jonas, David Bates, and Liam Kelly—that's that's that was their substitute lineup. So, of those, you would say Cranchar is the one most likely to be able to change a game. I'd like to see uh, Ryan Hardy getting a run out. I have to say, um, you know, for all sorts of reasons. Well, Stephen, I'm um,
1: going to be, I want to bring that up then because you mentioned that earlier. Now, hi. Ryan Hardy, I has been linked this week with a move to QPR who are not spending what they used to spend. He hit a contract at the end of the season, and QPR wanted to pick him up for the development squad, their under-23s, yep. which is, you know, understandable. Now, Ryan Hardy, I don't think, has made much of an impression at all. Hasn't done brilliantly when he's been out on loan. However, he's track record in the under-20s under, uh, under 20s and, and Rangers' yep. development squad is exceptional. But yes. what his strength, if you like, is his pace and his ability to run in behind. And... At Ibrox, especially when we're chasing a game, which is when, he, when he's got on, then he's not going to get the opportunity to do that. So there is the argument that says, well, away from home would be the time to play him. Now, the counter to that is obviously Alfredo Morelos has got three in three games, but I thought he looked knackered last week. And a good point was made um, to us that you have to remember now that Morelos is coming up for playing a whole season in that he was playing for Helsinki and because of the way the Finnish football calendar works he basically yep. played I think I think it was 20 games and then he's arrived at Ibrox and he's played ever since and last yes. week I thought he was devoid of the sharpness and the aggression and all the stuff that, that we mark with him so there is the argument that says yeah he's been scoring goals but he's knackered and rather than having him start and Hardy come off the bench is it worth swapping them round and saying to Alfredo, you come on in the last half an hour, he'll run their legs off them early. And to say to Reinhardt, rather than you coming on when we're chasing it and they've got everybody sitting in the edge of their six-yard box and you've no space to work in, let's try and see if you can you know, stay on the edge of the offside, get on the end of things. Is it worth maybe looking at that? Because I think we would all agree that the idea of starting Herrera is is a non-starter.
0: No. Not, not, on the basis of how he how he performed in that last game. David, absolutely not. I mean, it's a, it would be a brave decision. It would, it would, it we'll would, because you, you
1: know, three goals in three games—that's th- a fact. you Can't argue with that.
0: No, no. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's possible that Marta would do that, but you know, I think he's more he's more of a conservative manager than than I think many give him give him credit for. Um, I take I take your point. That I don't think a winter break can come soon enough for Morelos. I'll be very pleased, and, and I'm sure I'm sure his body will be, and his mind, I guess, because he get a bit fatigued, and there's a, there's a hell of a lot of pressure on him as a, as a kind of spearhead of that Rangers attack, particularly more so now that that Miller's out for uh, for an extended period. So Murti now has got the options and the 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 ability and Hardy, to be honest, is the only other consideration uh, that hasn't really factored into how we how we attack and how Rangers line up, you know, in terms of their kind of striking positions. And I'd, I'd very much like to see him getting a run. Uh, and why not against Kilmarnock? Because it would, you know, it gives us another option. We need to think about the games coming up ahead, particularly, the, uh, you know, a trip to Castle Doom. So, you know, I would hope, I'd I'd like to see him getting at least getting at least an hour. Or if not, he's he's got Morelos on, substitute, substitute him and give him at least half an hour again. You know, give him a run out and see how see how he goes. Because we're never going to know whether he's going to be a Rangers player, David, unless we give him an opportunity to show it. You know, the odd five, ten minutes here, there, any player will tell you, you can do very, very little as a substitute unless you land very, very lucky. Or you're, you're you know, you're playing a team that's that's knocking the door down in search of a goal when it's all one-way traffic. Those are the only circumstances where you can make that kind of impact. Yeah. Uh, that was what I think why I was disappointed about Cranshaw, uh, you know, at the, at the weekend, because... To be honest, he's a you know he ought to be changing and winning games, taking games like that, with a scruff in the neck, uh, and there was no sign of it. So, you know, I think I think we've got uh, we've got some selection challenges coming up at, at Rugby Park and further going further forward. So I hope the squad gets gets uh, improved in the jan- January transfer window because it certainly needs it.
1: Yeah, it does, and uh, I think you're right there about. Um about finding out if a guy can cut it but as you say it would be a brave decision because it's a gamble in that if it works great you're a genius but if it doesn't then you're going to be criticised Whereas I don't think you will be criticised If you start Morelis Because he's the first team player he's, he's our best goal scorer by a distance And he is scoring yep. goals at the moment uh, So it would be a brave decision But again we keep coming back to it. It's not like there's a hell of a lot of options available To, to Graham Murray So yeah. so it'll be interested. But I think you could do it as well with the justification That we've got three games in a week and I think you could you could say well you know we wanted to rest Alfredo for the upcoming game. I think you can maybe justify it in that regard. But it's Rangers if we don't you know if we don't win a game it's a disaster as as last week proved and uh, that'll never change regardless of of who the manager is. Now, who the manager may be is still yep. um, up for debate, and yep. uh, one of the things, one of the key things that happened this week, we broke it down on the Patreon service. There's an extended pod with myself and, and Alex Staff did, where we discussed this. Now, but I want to get your take on it from you know, my, my former RST colleague, my, my uh, our former RST chairman, and this week uh, a big. Talking point among the Rangers support was Club 1872 published the yep. uh, results of a meeting we had with Stuart Robertson and the answers to questions that they asked and that had been submitted by by fans, and by more, more than just fans, by members of Club 1872, therefore investors and shareholders. Yep. It drew a lot of criticism, um, it would be fair to say, because a lot of people felt that the tone of the answers was very dismissive. And yep. that there was nothing particularly enlightening. Uh, the key one being, you know, the managerial setup. They said they don't want to say any more about the Derek McInnes situation, um, which is understandable. I wouldn't, I won't, you know, hold that against them. But the, the situation remains the same that Graham Murray will be in charge until at least the 1st of January. Now, this is the biggest position at any football club. That's just a fact. We can talk about you know, the level of importance. Clearly, a chairman can run your club into the ground. So, I mean, you could argue that that's a more important position. But for from the fans' point of view, who's the manager? It's the key thing. It's what everybody talks to. It's what every conversation revolves around in football for yeah. football fans. And it, because you're living through it, you can sometimes... I think get a little bit blasey to it and well you know it just it is what it is kind of thing. Sure. Stevie we're coming up for three months you know it, it's it's no. 56 days since Rangers had a manager and yeah. we don't have any we don't have anything to tell you there's nothing happening there's no time scales and it's as if to me the board thought that well we've said that Murray will be in charge to the first was going to Close all conversation on it, and I yeah. find that attitude, at best, very high-minded, and at worst, incredibly dismissive.
0: Yeah, Pat- patronising and uh, condescending. Other words, I would use. David politicians' answers uh, was was how I picked the tone of those responses to this the club uh, 1872's questions. Some of which I thought were were excellent. Uh, for example, I mean the one that stuck out for me. Uh, jumped out the page was the concerns about the club's PR communication strategy which I think to, to everybody outside the Ibrox boardroom is subject to valid and entirely reasonable criticism so for example why are we employing Jim Trainer, a man who wrote a newspaper column basically saying it was okay for the Spanish police to assault Rangers fans because of some of the songs they were singing you know th- there's a man who's employed at Ibrox and I think it's quite legitimate to ask that question, what, what's, what's he providing and we got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that you plebs don't know about, shut up and let us go on with the job was basically a synopsis of that answer and I thought well that's that's kind of symptomatic of it because clearly Club 1872 have been trying to develop a decent relationship with Stuart Robinson there's, there's a support liaison officer who's meant to kind of smooth uh, poor oil and troubled waters. And I don't see any evidence of a, a significantly better relationship between this board and any of the three previous ones. And that's a real concern to me because the, the three previous ones were run by people who, uh, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to stay the right side of the law here, uh, had no respect and no integrity and were involved in some very highly questionable decisions Utterly, you know, crooks, all the rest of it. It's, it's extremely problematic for me that we haven't, haven't gotten rid of them, improved that key relationship between the support and the board, you know, where they're seen as separate entities rather than we're all part of the same family. And we don't have to look very far in Glasgow to see how that relationship works when it does work. We, you know, you manage dissent, you make sure that you only disagree about the things that are worth disagreeing about, you put up a united front. It appears that that you know the board has the support back, and vice versa. Uh, and and you keep people informed because we're not customers, David. We are fans. There's a key difference, and I think that that understanding and that difference appears to be lost in the Ibrox boardroom now, and I'm very disappointed that that's the case. Genuinely so, because I, I expected far, far more and far better from this board.
1: I'll defend the the supporters liaison officer because his role is very much a customer service role. You know, he's although the the title can be a little mis, a bit misleading. His job is not to go into the board and say, you know, this this is what the supporters are feeling. His job is to make sure that arrangements are made for fans to travel safely, etc., for supporters clubs, all that kind of thing. So yeah. that position, he will not have influence. In, in the boardroom that's a direct relationship between fans reps and the senior people at the club
0: okay. now,
1: from my point of view I I spoke about this in our show so to, to, to any of the subscribers that already know this but I'll get your take on it when we were at the tour, and I know that that's the hoary old back now are day thing Aye. and it, it was different because first of all we, do, we didn't own 10% of the club, like Club 1872 no. do. Secondly, it was an adversarial relationship,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and we knew that... Not by
0: and, our choosing, incidentally, no, you no. And that needs to be said in but, terms of histor- historical accuracy, David. Aye, but, we were looking for, for cooperation and partnership <laughs> and involvement and engagement, and we kept getting the, the middle finger extended to us by we, various... But, uh, but we knew that going in, Stevie. Stuff.
1: But we knew that going in. We didn't walk in no, and no. think that, that, you know... When we walked into that room... They were open that they didn't want us there. They wanted us to shut up and fuck off and that they were meeting us under sufferance. And we had to fight yeah. for everything in terms of getting an audience, getting uh, involved with them, getting attention. And we knew that. So there was at least that degree of honesty there that nobody could could be fooled that... You know, the, Our relationship with Murray and Bain was not one of, look, lads, you know, we're glad you're here, um, yeah. we'll utilise you, we want your help. It was yeah. eventually, it went, once we'd created enough noise and once we had enough support that we were able to get a foot in the door, but always with the understanding that they wanted to shoot our foot off and, and slam the door. So yeah. you had that aspect of it going in. That doesn't exist here or shouldn't exist here because you have a board who came to power on the back of popular support, used that popular support, and made promises about things like accountability, transparency and involvement. I keep going back to this because I can't get my head around it and maybe you can explain it to me. You're a cleverer man than I am. How can the fans own 10% not have a director and not have, at this point, any time frame for when it's going to happen
0: it baffles yeah. me no I'm, I'm, I'm baffled David I mean I think the, the answer that that was put forward was basically well you haven't nominated a candidate to be director well I mean that would you know under any circumstances that's something that should have been rectified within five minutes of receiving that as an email or, or however those answers were kind of disseminated
1: yeah. I'd have done you it know, at the it, meeting I, would, I mean should, I said that to, I, I would have at that meeting went right cool well we'll uh, we're nominating this guy. Aye. Yeah, Right there yeah. and then. Great. Good. Go on. The, that, the fobbing I'm off... I'm come at- with a
0: shortlist. shortlist of three, four candidates and said pick one of them.
1: Right. The, 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 the fobbing off aspect is not the sign to me of a board who want to progress that quickly because you don't come away with an answer like that. Oh, you haven't sent us anybody. What you say is, is like, you know you haven't sent us anybody, get us a list by and we'll have, you know, so they can't, the board can't hide behind that and then still claim, oh, we're committed to it. You know, you're, you're committed to it theoretically and you're quite happy if it remains a theory, you're not committed to it in actuality. Um, I think though, and, uh, you know, as I say, we, we tend to avoid criticising Club 1872 because, you know, we know it's a tough, a tough gig, we absolutely do. Um, but the sometimes you've got to you've got to go in and kick up fuck sometimes you've got to make a stink sometimes you've got to realise that what you want and what they want, while the overall overarching aim is the best for the club, the best way to achieve it that's felt by the fans may not be the best way to achieve it as felt by the directors and it's your job to fight for what the fans want and I keep coming back to this Steve, if I bought 10% of Rangers tomorrow I guarantee you I would get a better as an individual I guarantee you I'd get a better uh, a better response than than what Club 1872 got and I can guarantee you I would want a seat on the board I can't understand why the chairman and let's be honest guy who runs the club has 16% And that mm-hmm. somehow makes them untouchable, whereas 10% doesn't even get you a seat on the board. Especially when you've not just got 10%, but you're the voice of thousands of activist Rangers supporters. I, I find it disrespectful. I find yep. it um, unacceptable. And to be honest, I, I, I am a little disappointed that Club 1872 seem to be prepared to put up with us. And they may feel that it's you know they don't want to rock the boat that they, they have a good relationship with the club and that they they feel that in the long term it's better to just hodderwish just now and, and move to it later and listen i'll be the first to admit you were there and, and you should have held me back a lot more you were fucking as bad as me <laughs> but i'll admit that i i liked her I, you know i was that was when i was at my best you know point me in the direction of the people that we need to fight and i'll go and fight And I accept that that wasn't always the best approach. And sometimes I was much too quick to reach for the pitchfork and the torch. But there are times when you need to go, right, you know what? Nah, this isn't good enough. And this is what's going to happen. And if it doesn't, then we're going to cause a lot of noise and hassle. And you you make it something that can't fob you off. You make it a situation that they need to do what you want them to do. And Club 1872, for all the good work they do, and they do, they do a hell of a lot of good work, they do a lot of work in the community, that's all going to get drowned out. Similarly with the board, with all the good stuff that the board are doing, and yes, they do do good stuff, because of this managerial fuck-up, none of it is going to be heard. If you can't get the things the fans care about correct, then... I'm sorry, you can't ask them to care about other things because they won't.
0: OK. No, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot there for me to get my teeth into, David, but, I mean, one of the things is that core relationship I was referring to earlier on, where... It's understood that football fans are not normal customers. They, they, you either go or you don't go. That's that's basically you don't go. You know, Arsenal play well today. I think I'll go and see how Spurs are playing. Mm. You know, that that's not the way it works. You know, it's not Tesco or Asda or Morrison's. So, my my fear is that that that, that kind of uh, binary part of the relationship is understood. The board understand that Rangers fans gonna know nowhere else to do, but rather than reward and cherish and develop that, they're exploiting that and just saying, well, at the end of the day, we're selling a lot of season tickets, we've got an income stream coming in, and we don't really need to give these people... The voice in the in the club that that ten percent shareholding merits, and that, that that's a worry. They ought they ought to do that. I'm not saying that's a panacea either. Incidentally, no, 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 because, no, agreed. Because you and I you and I both know that elected office is not a popularity contest. If you want to be a popular individual, don't hold an elected office, whether you be a councillor, an MP, whatever it may be. You're not going to be popular. It's about representing your people and trying to to exercise your judgment and also to kind of align with the aims. Of your organisation, and one of the things that you and I always tried to do was to articulate the voice of the ordinary Rangers fan. And when we were having conversations with Murray and Bain and Cole because we were ordinary Rangers yeah, no, fans, yeah, that was
1: It wasn't it
0: was difficult. True <laughs> to those roots. Yeah. But of course, the other the other thing, and I'm sure you've you've covered this in previous pods when you've been talking about the kind of Q and about what we did in the trust. You were always conscious that if you're in a, in meetings with Walter Smith or w- with David Murray then you know you're in there as a fan and that's the manager and the chairman of the year football club and you and I are both lifelong Rangers fans there's a real danger that, that you get kind of caught up in that and and as you and I know there, there were people involved in fan representation who fell into that particular trap mm. uh, and, and I, I just hope that the Club 1872 people who I wish all the success to in the world uh, can can maintain a healthy relationship in that regard but you're right at the moment the supporters voice in this and our consideration is, is very much at the end of the queue uh, and, and for example uh, stuff about commercial confidentiality and well you don't need to know this and that kind of stuff that is not going this is this is 2017 24-hour news And the 24-hour news cycle is contributing to this. So what we need to do is make sure that the people who pay the bills and who contribute and are the lifeblood of the football club are involved in and informed about the key decisions around the football club. That's just an absolute basic requirement these days. Nothing else is going to do that. Here's
1: why Rangers PR um, isn't fit for purpose at the moment, because it shows a fundamental lack of understanding of... What the media world is in 2017, and yes, I'm, I'm going to say that to guys who've worked in media for 40, 50 years, because yeah. I'm right and they're wrong. And this is not a, uh, this is not me saying, well, you know, look how clever I am. I am one of thousands and thousands of fans who understand this because the world has changed, and maybe it's because I'm not in that bubble that I can see that. Here's why it's fundamentally flawed, because Rangers' approach to it is as mentioned in that where well, you see uh, you don't see a lot of the good work he does great fine brilliant that's part of his job correct well done glad he's doing it well glad you're happy with it here there's another big part there's a 24 hour news cycle there's social media there's constant chatter constant daily there's daily podcasts there's newspapers there's phone ins even although we don't you know tend to to think of that there are Rangers fans that associate with that right All of that now is constant. There's Sky News on 24-hour... It's it's not like it was even 10, but certainly 20 years ago. And if your thing is, well, we've kept a couple of dodgy stories out of the newspaper, great, that's two-fifths of your job. The rest of it is involving filling this information gap. Because if you don't, other people will. And then things will start to spin out of your control. And you mentioned earlier another club in the city who control the narrative expertly. So, you know, we can see through it, but it doesn't seem to bother their supporters. And at the end of the day, that's all they care about. And we don't even attempt it. And you see this with these answers this week, which don't in any way shape, control, or offer an alternative narrative. What they simply do are... Widen that information gap into which people will pour more stuff. Some of which will be true, some of which will be bollocks, all of which will be poured over, discussed, analysed, and will lead to a situation where people form opinions which the club don't want them to form and can't then be changed from. And that's what's happening at Rangers at the moment. Their view. And and th- we we can't take anything other than this because this is exactly what's happened. Their view is that we have said there won't be a manager announcement until the new year. Yeah, well,
0: that's ten days. That's that's in ten days' time. Didn't
1: I, I, and they made the announcement you know, the, like, over two weeks ago. So, it's it, their view was, well, we've said now, so that closes that discussion. No, it doesn't fucking close that discussion. All it does is allow people to have more space to make their own shit up. And I'll tell you the, the, the desperation levels that it's got to. Last night, I'm sitting, and Paul Clement, the news comes out, has been fired by Swansea City. Yeah. I think a few people had known it was coming. I think, you know, anyone who watches football had known his jacket was on a sugarly peg, as we say Absolutely. up here. But, yeah, Straight away, Rangers fans going, Paul Clement, would you take him? Now, Paul Clement has never been discussed for the Rangers. The reason Rangers fans were saying it is we're so fucking desperate now that it's like, there's a manager. I've heard of him. Could we have him? And it's because we're desperate. And they have allowed this situation to grow to the stage now where names are going to be tossed in and tossed in. And the fact is Rangers have allowed this situation to grow to such an extent that unless they pull out a home run, and it's a dodgy one to suggest that they will based on their track record the fans are going to be disappointed because you said earlier the names that had been mentioned every name has been poured over to the point that unless you get a superstar people are going to be disappointed because you have allowed this information gap to grow so big that people are just filling it themselves now and they will create their own narrative and then when your narrative or in fact your actuality doesn't match that ...doesn't match... I, ...I mean I've seen people say things like... ...yeah you know I still think it's going to be pureless." ...and and that... ...great if it's pureless, fine... ...but... Mm-hmm. ...if we come in now with somebody who is... ...far less of a track record... ...that fan's mm-hmm. going to be gutted... ...and that fan is going to start off... ...with the opinion of... ...we've hired a Diddy... ...because... ...you allowed him in his mind... ...to build up a picture... You know, as I've said before, it's Schrodinger's manager at this point. At the moment, okay, we haven't hired anybody good, but we haven't hired anybody bad either. So I can still dream about manager X being given the job. And they just don't get that. You've got a PR guy who doesn't like social media. And that's cool. You don't have to like social media, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. It doesn't mean you can ignore it. Um, you can't uninvent it and you can't say, I don't like it, therefore I'm refusing to deal with it. It exists. It's used by a huge, huge percentage of your customer base. It's used by a huge percentage of your stakeholders. And if you're not going to participate in it, other people will and they're going to drive on the story. And Rangers at the moment, are they look like they're indecisive because they're indecisive. They look like they don't know what's going on because, let's be honest, they don't really know what's going on, and in fact, are proud of it in some cases. And the, yep. the situation is chaotic,
0: and people can see through it. Do you know? I was thinking about that about the whole the whole kind of paradigm we operate, in now David and I've got um, I haven't bought a newspaper, and I don't think I'm atypical in a sense. I'm in my mid-fifties, but I haven't bought a newspaper for I don't know, easily two years. Because I rely on and get my news from either television or from an on, some online source or that's where I get my content from. And I'm, you know, if I'm in my mid-50s, everybody younger than me, and I'm, by the way, I'm not a technical one of these gadget lovers. So I'm not, you know, I'm not an outlier in that regard. Anybody younger than me probably does the same. And, and as you know, the printed media, thankfully, sales are, are de- uh, falling off the cliff edge and the sooner a good number of newspapers in this country are dead and buried, the better. But nature, there's a saying, that's in, it's in media, it's in news and in politics, and it says nature abhors a vacuum. And I think what I've always taken that to mean is, if you don't fill the gap and the space with content, somebody else will. And that's exactly what's happened, because as you pointed out, we are nearly in... Uh, getting on for a three month hiatus period where we have not got a manager. And and in the last the last period if you aggregate it out that that there's been nearly three months of playing time effectively, as the Americans would say, where we haven't had uh, a full time manager, and those are that. Uh, this is this is the one thing I, I am very very kind of strict about I, in any kind of walk of life. Avoidable mistakes. People are always going to make mistakes, and that's fine, and they happen, and there's human error. But avoid easily avoidable mistakes are the one bugbear I have. And you watch it on a football field where you know it's just you know somebody just doesn't close the cross down, and the cross comes in, and there's a goal, and it's in the, it's a, you know stopping it at at source that kind of thing. That's really really. Uh, that, that's a real bugbear of mine so we've got as you as you've pointed out there's a hostile media there's not all of it is hostile to rangers but there's a significant element that we know that is proactively anti-rangers we have um very rarely put up a robust defense of some pretty mickey mouse stuff about accusations about that so for example we're in a country where, in a Scottish Cup final, there were about 8,000, 8,000 people on the pitch at Hamden. In a Cup final, we were involved in, in mass disorder and fighting caused by one set of supporters. But we let a media na- narrative develop and we get dragged into that particular swamp when there were li- literally thousands of people committing criminal acts at Hamden Park when Rangers played Hibs and Rangers fans ended up getting tarred. Uh, with, with that brush utterly inexcusable and utterly avoidable we need to develop that relationship the other, that's the other thing and you pointed out that uh, what uh, what our friends across the city do is they they, they work in concert and they develop solidarity and their sense of community siege mentality the world's against us everybody hates us blah 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 we, all, we know what the, the tropes that they go to are uh, and we know how little there is to them but they act as one and they don't either let the fans hang out to dry when they're involved. In, and bear in mind how many times they've been done by UEFA and they're still you know, portrayed in a certain way in this media. Questions not asked. They've got, as you say, control of that that narrative. We, I'm not saying we emulate that, but what you do is you look at what your enemies do and you do the same. Yeah, you do. If they, if they get good example, you match that and you maybe do it better. And we're not. I don't see any signs of any of that kind of strategic thinking going on at Ibrox, and that's a huge problem for us because we are a great Scottish institution. We have a great story, a great story to tell in terms of what's happened to the football club and us keeping it going and getting back to a position where we, where we get forty eight, fifty thousand people at iBrooks every second week. I'm not hearing that in the media and there's all sorts of reasons why that's not the case but one of the main ones is that Rangers Football Club is not grasping the nettle and is not on the front foot in terms of PR
1: and um, as you say it's, it's easily avoidable mistakes it's the same ones over and over again and it's because of a fundamental disconnect from what the situation is as opposed to what they deem the situation to be and it's that lack of understanding that's causing the problem and the the problem for them is even from the, you know Never mind doing it because it's the right thing to do and the right way to do it. They should be doing it because they, in the the interest of self preservation. Because the oh. longer this goes, the the more they make these errors, the the less and less credibility they have. And yeah, it's it's, it's just damaging. But okay, doc Stephen. Well, we'll we'll wrap this up then. Um, I'll just go through a few messages before. But but just before we come to that uh, prediction for Saturday.
0: Uh. Two
1: Rangers. I think we'll win three one on Saturday, and yes, there's there's no really any logical reason for it, but there's been no oh, logical gentle. reason for for any of Rangers' uh, success this season. I just think that that for some reason our, our players go out with a different mentality, and yeah, I, I fancy us to get the win on Saturday. Although of course with this Rangers team. Any combination of results you could argue for and probably put forward a very valid case. But I'm going to go for 3-1 Rangers, so so get your coupon on that. Okay folks, And Just to let you know, because obviously we're coming to the Christmas period, this is our last flagship show before Christmas, so we'd like to thank every one of you for listening and making this our most successful year ever. We really appreciate that. There won't be a flagship show on Monday because it's Christmas Day. However, the we will be back next Thursday, um, and we'll take into account the Kilmarnock and the Motherwell matches, and we'll, we'll have an extended... Heart and Hand Extra next Thursday um, and then to get back into the routine early in the, the new year. If you do want more content from us, well, we'll be available on our Patreon site. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. That's uh, P A T R E O N you'll get daily shows up there, usually two a day, all different types of things, be they from historical shows, uh, we had one today that launched called Supporter Stories, when a, a supporter told us uh, his tale about the time he went uh, on the official club flight to play PAO Salonica, and some brilliant stories in that. Uh, loads and loads of new shows, daily updates, that'll be happening all throughout the Christmas period, but as I say, in terms of the flagship show, we will be back next Thursday, and we'll cover the games uh, that have taken place before that, and preview our trip to, to fight the Orcs. Uh, well, well, I think that's just about everything from me today Just to remember if you want to get in touch with us Then you can tweet me I'm at Or you can go to Facebook And you'll find us on there Just search for a Heart and Hand Rangers podcast And we'll, we'll do our best to get back to as many people as possible With that in mind I'd like to thank our executive producers in London Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Myers And thank my guest today Mr. Stephen Smith
0: Thanks David It's a pleasure as always And I wish you the rest of the podders And your listeners a wonderful Christmas And a staunch 2018
1: I would like to echo Stephen's wishes for a staunch 2018 uh, and like I say thank you all very very much for sticking with us this year for supporting us the the, the pod's growing huge, exponentially this year huge, our, our biggest year by far and, and uh, uh, it's really went through the roof and that's on top of the, the subscription site and everything else launching exciting times ahead for Heart and Hand in 2018 and thank you very very much for being a part of it my name's David Edgar, Merry Christmas and I'll talk to you all next week, cheers, bye